Amen. That was wonderful. If you would please this morning take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. The book of Luke chapter number 1 is where we're going to begin this morning. And what a wonderful day it is. Christmas is falling on a Sunday. And so I'm very thankful that you are all here today to take this time out of your day to come to church. That is wonderful. And I'm so thankful that you are here. And for reference, church on, uh, I'm sorry, Christmas on a Sunday is not going to happen again for 11 years. 11 years, and then we'll have Christmas on a Sunday again. So let's kick things off. In Luke chapter 1, we're going to be getting in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says this, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee, and blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be in your house this morning. I just pray that you would be with my mouth and be with my mind, God. I pray that I would say nothing more and nothing less than what you would have me to say. And I just pray that you would prepare the hearts of the people here that they would receive this message and that they would be able to hear you through it and that they would be able to take something and leave this building different than the way they came in. I just pray that you'd bless this morning and that you would get all the praise and the honor for everything that's said and done. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I think many would begin their Christmas traditions here in the book of Luke and they would go over how the angel came to Mary one day in her home without any prior um, information from that. The, the angel Gabriel came to her and spoke to her. Many families may share the faith of Mary and how despite the difficulty of having to tell her husband that she was pregnant with a child that was not his own, she followed the Lord and did as he directed her. I think that most would follow the next logical phase of the story and would go to Joseph finding out that Mary was pregnant in Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took, not, uh, took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. 
At this point, I think families would probably talk about the good character of Joseph in this, in this instance. After he being told that Mary was pregnant with someone with a, with a child that was not his own. At this time, believe Mary had done a great disservice to him and sinned against him and was unfaithful to him in their marriage. However, the Lord came to Joseph and, and told him that it was a child of the Holy Ghost and um, told him of Mary's integrity. Joseph was a just man and wanted to preserve her public image and preserve her relationship with her family and her peers. Many would discuss the name Emmanuel given here. They would discuss how the Lord came to be in our world. That little baby in the nativity scene represents so much more than we give it credit for. It's more than just a little figurine. It represents the literal, eternal presence of the God who created us. That is what the child in the nativity represents. It represents God with us. After this, your average family would probably flip over to the book of Luke again and continue in chapter 2. Chapter 2 of the book of Luke, verses 1 through 12, says this, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." We'll share together how Mary and Joseph had to travel back to Bethlehem to be taxed. And I'm sure many of the women in this room who have ever been pregnant would understand the difficulty of traveling when you are great with child. But Mary had to travel at this time as she was pregnant. Families speak of how there was no room in the inn and how Jesus had to be born in a lowly stable in a manger meant for the feeding of animals. Many would marvel at the opportunity that the shepherds had to come and experience this wonderful event to experience the birth of Jesus following this I'm sure a family might go and look at how the wise men who studied the night sky saw Jesus natal star and traveled for miles to go and visit him now any bible scholar would probably tell you that the three wise men well not necessarily three but they came and they visited Jesus not when he was in the manger but when he was in a home more than likely when Jesus was around two or three they would also tell you, again, that it might not have been three wise men, but this, that there were three gifts. Three gifts given to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh on that wonderful, wonderful day. Now, around this time of year, around Christmas, today is Christmas. Spirits are high for many, many people. The Christmas tree has been up since Halloween, and you've been listening to Christmas music since July the 4th. 
For many people, this is wonderful. They view the beautiful homes and buildings adorned with sparkling Christmas lights. The joys of seeing definitely not last-minute Christmas gifts wrapped under the tree for the family. The, the wonderful smell of cinnamon and spiced cider filling the streets of our country. While I myself enjoy a lot of these things, except for Christmas decorations after Thanksgiving and Christmas music in July, because I'm not weird, but <laughs> I do enjoy all of these things. However, I think that especially in Christian homes, we can forget just how important the Christmas story is and what it really represents. For the next couple minutes, I'm going to take you to a book that many would not start the nativity story with, to a book that many would not go to to look at the birth of Christ. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of John, please, to the book of John. We're going to be starting in chapter number one. We're going to go over several verses and consider Jesus the light of the world. John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. If you go down to verse 9, the Bible says this, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. At Christmas time, we celebrate the birth of God incarnate as the second person of the Trinity. I think that we often forget what Jesus truly represents, what it truly means to have the God who humbled himself come to this earth and dwell among his People among his own creation. Can you? The weight of that statement is huge. That's amazing. Our God came to us. Never forget that he chose to come. He chose to be with us. He chose to humble himself and become a man to wrap himself in flesh and come to us. Never forget that that's why we celebrate. For without it, we would be hopelessly lost. And we can see the manner which Jesus came to us in the first Five verses. Notice number one this morning, the light realized. The light realized. John chapter one, again, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, the book of John is very different from the other gospel accounts. It begins not with a woman being visited by an angel or a trip to Bethlehem to be taxed by the Caesar or no room in the inn or to be born in a manger. Rather, the book of John begins with the echo of the book of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace 
and truth. John begins with a momentous proclamation of the deity of Jesus Christ. John shares with the reader the wonderful news that Jesus was made flesh and came to dwell amongst mankind, coming to pierce through the darkness of this world, coming to change the hearts and minds of those who have been lost inside it. It was not the brightness of the angel that visited the, the shepherds that day. As the video said, it was not the light that shined in the sky to show the, the, uh, the wise men to him. It was the light of Jesus Christ, which changed the fabric of the entire world. Jesus was more than just a man, more than just a baby, more than just a prophet, and more than just a story. Jesus is the little incarnate God. The account of Jesus coming as the light of life is the story which marks the change of the direction of the world forever. Jesus sent a ripple through the darkness and struck fear into the heart of Satan and his devils. Jesus' birth marked the beginning of victory. Jesus' birth marked the beginning of faith and of peace. Someone might look at the birth of Jesus and miss all of this wonderful news. Rather than seeing the Jesus as the Messiah that he truly is, many just see him as a good man, a good teacher, a good prophet. Many question why they would need a good man at all. After all, if Jesus came to bring life, I'm pretty sure I'm alive already. I'm standing before you. I breathe. I eat. I speak. I sing. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm alive. Why would I need someone to bring me life? We have to understand that the life that Jesus brings is not the same as the life of the people that we see on the streets. The people of this world are dead, spiritually dead, as we were before he saved us. Because of our sin, we are all born dead to the righteousness of God under his judgment. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. 1 Corinthians 5.22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Just a side note, there's going to be a lot of scripture, because I don't think a sermon can have too much scripture. And so it will, so just bear with me with that as we go through everything. Jesus came to this world to destroy the darkness that creeps into the heart of every single life in every single household and rips apart families. Jesus came to destroy that darkness. That's what we celebrate today. We celebrate him changing the world. Jesus was born in a little manger that day, not so that we can continue to live a life in the darkness of this world, but that our lives may be touched with the light of his love. Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 2 says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross uh, darkness the people. But, uh, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Jesus has come to change lives. He came to bring hope to those who have no hope, to bring joy to those who are depressed, to bring peace to those who are in distress. Jesus came to change the lives of the whole world. This is the baby lying in the manger, the light 
of the world. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 8. I want to share with you a story that makes my heart leap within my chest. It is a wonderful story of the love of God. John chapter 8, verse 1. The Bible says this. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had uh, set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Cast the, uh, first cast the stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Verse 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let's dissect this a little bit. There's a woman caught in adultery, caught in the midst of her sin. That represents us today. A woman caught in her sin, a world caught in their sin in the very act. This woman is wrenched from her home and cast before the mighty God, cast before Jesus Christ and those who brought her say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Moses has said that she deserves to be stoned. But what say you? The God-man then stoops to the ground and begins writing as if he hadn't heard them. The men pressure him further and, and they probably said, don't ignore us, Jesus. What say you? This woman has sinned and deserves to be stoned according to Moses. We want to know what you think. Jesus then stands. And he says, he that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And again, Jesus lowers himself to the ground and begins to write again. One by one, the men standing around begin to leave, being convicted in their own hearts. Until finally the adulterous woman stands alone, alone before the Savior of the entire world. The only one with the right to cast a stone at her. The only one with the right to judge her for her sin. She now stands face to face. Jesus looks upon her in love and in empathy. And he asks the woman, he says, woman, where are your accusers? And the woman responds, there, is no, there are no men. Jesus looks upon the woman and says, neither do I condemn thee. Neither do I condemn thee. 
the God who created us, the God who judges us, the God who is righteous and full of life and truth looks at this woman caught in the act of adultery and says, I do not condemn you. I do not cast a stone at you. He says, go and sin no more. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what Jesus does for us today. This is what he does for us every single day. John 3, 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Psalm 103, verse 11 through 12. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is the mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. This promise is not just for some people. This promise is for all people. People caught in the act of adultery. People caught in a lifestyle of debauchery and sin. This is for everybody. Jesus said, I separate them as far as the east is from the west. From one nail-scarred hand to another, it is covered by the blood. For every single person. From every single background. No matter who you are today sitting in this room, Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you. He does not condemn you. He casts our sins away from us. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God desires all to come to him. Not a select few, not a few that he chooses to be saved, and a few he chooses to cast into hell. He picks everybody. To give them light, to give them peace. Unfortunately, there are some who reject him. They accuse him of being a vicious ruler, a God of judgment, and a God of misunderstanding, and an emotionless lawgiver. They say his book is full of rules and regulations that we have to follow. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a book of love, it is his love letter to us. Jesus came to protect us, to save us from ourselves, to save us from our sin. But notice number two, the light rejected. The light rejected. Take your Bibles and turn back to the book of John uh, chapter 1. We'll look at verses 9 through 11. The Bible says that was the true light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Jesus came to the world to save it. He came to his own creation to save them, and they received him not. Isaiah 53.3 says he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Jesus humbled himself. God humbled himself, wrapped himself in flesh, and was born in a manger and a place for animals to feed, only to be taken by the sinners of this world and put on a cross and killed. He was crucified, dishonored, and tortured by his own creation. Our God came to us and we killed him. We did. It was our sin that put him on the cross just as much as it was their sin of the Romans who put him on the cross. The man who came to bring us peace, we beat him for it. 
the man who brought us light and hope, we scourged. Man of innocence, we brutalized because we desired to live our own life, because we desired to do what we want to do. Jesus came to his world, and his world rejected him. Can I attest to you today that the world that killed Jesus is no different from the world that we live in today? The world we live in today has the same problem that they did. That problem is sin, ladies and gentlemen. That problem is sin. A proud heart, an unruly tongue, a lying spirit, lusting minds. We are no different than those that killed Jesus. We're no different. It was our sin that held him there. It was our sin that put him on the cross. He went to the cross because our sin carries a price. A price that we don't want to pay. You see, our souls are, ta- are tainted. They're saturated in sin. They're separated from God. And when we die without Jesus, we have to pay the price for that. The first part of Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. When we die without Jesus, when we don't take the gift that he has given us when he came to this world, the penalty is death. An eternal separation from the God who loves you. An eternal separation from the God who came to bring you peace. Eternal separation from Jesus Christ. Love incarnate. We must understand that while Jesus is love, he is just, and he will judge sin at its appointed time. Every single one of us in this room has sinned, and if you say you haven't, then you just lied and you sinned. Every single one of us has sinned, and from the smallest sin to the biggest sin, it's all the same in God's eyes. It's all the same, and it all has earned you a spot in a place called hell. But Jesus promised us a gift, which can save us from this place. It's far different from the gifts you got this morning if you've opened up any gifts today. It's different than the gifts that you're going to open up tonight if you're going to open them up tonight. They're different than the gifts you buy at the store. This gift is the reason that Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to give us a book. Well, he gave us the Bible, but he didn't come to give us a movie. He didn't come to give us a Christmas dinner. That's not why Jesus came. John 3.19 says, And this is the condemnation that the light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Romans 5, verses 8 and 9 says this, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, while we were in our sin, Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. While we were yet in our sins like the adulterous woman, while we are yet in rejecting him, he loved us. He loved us. After all the terrible things we do to him on a daily basis, he came to a cross for us to die the death so that we don't have to. Jesus took your punishment. Jesus took my punishment. This is the gift that the world rejects on a daily basis. This is the gift 
that the world casts into the deepest recesses of their heart and ignores. This is the gift that the world wants to throw out the window and ignore. All one has to do is accept the gift for which Jesus came to give us. Romans 3.23, the second part. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus offers us the cure for a sickness worse than every sickness, worse than every infirmity, worse than any cancer. Jesus offers the cure for sin. Jesus offers the cure for that which separates our hearts from him. Jesus offers the cure for our hopelessness, the cure for our darkness, for our depression. Jesus came to pull us out of the depths of hell and to give us a life with him eternal. All we have to do is call upon him. Turn away from any other hope and say, Jesus, you are the only way to heaven. Trusting in you and we will be with him. This is the light which is rejected. This is the hope which is thrown away. The peace which is trampled on. Thus, it breeds the opposite in the lives of the rejecter. That's why the world is full of darkness, hopelessness, and depression. That's why the world is full of it, because they breed the opposite. Let me tell you, though, there are those who will receive this light. There are those who will receive the gift that Jesus offers. Lastly, the light received. Number three, the book of John, verse 1, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 12 through 13 says, But as many as received him. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus came to bring light into our lives. He came lowly into the manger so that we might be, uh, so that we meet, that he might call all men to him. Jesus came to change lives And this is what he promises to do for us. He will change you. He promises to do it. Look at all the people who he changed when he was here on the earth. The blind men, the crippled man that was lowered through a ceiling to him. The adulterous woman. What about Lazarus? He rose Lazarus from the dead. And he raises us from dead today. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The old lives we lived in darkness and shame and worry and fear are all made new in the light of Jesus Christ. You get a new vision and you see the world differently. You, you, you view everything from a new perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, Christmas is so much more than a baby in a manger. It's so much more than a nativity scene on your mantle. It's so much more than a Christmas tree in the living room and and ham on the table for dinner. It's so much more than this. It's about the light. Not about the lights we hang on our walls, but it's about the light. The light of the world which so shines before all men. And Jesus gives us the opportunity to reflect him to all people. He gives us everything we need to live this life in his light. Would you stand to your feet this morning? With every head bowed, 
and every eye closed. I just want to talk to you. There are going to be many that reject this light. But there will be those who receive it. And so there, there's only one question that remains. Will you receive the light or will you reject the light? This is all that it boils down to. A discussion which occurs between you and the Savior. He stands before you this morning. He stands before you with arms open wide, ready for you to come to him. Reaching out for you, desiring to change your fear into hope. He cares not about the life you've led before. He can save you. He desires to have a relationship with you and offers you the peace in your distress and the answer to all your questions. For those of you that don't know Jesus as your Savior this morning, he stands before you now. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And when I'm finished praying, if you do not know the light of, of the world, if you don't know Jesus, come out of your seats and come to the front. Get my attention or the attention of someone else, and I'm sure that they can share with you how you can know Jesus, the light of the world. For those of you that are saved, when I'm finished praying, praying, would you please come forward and thank Jesus. Thank God for the light. Thank him for his grace. And find someone who needs to hear his message, the gospel message, this message of goodwill and peace towards men. You come as the Lord works. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've done for us this morning and all that you did for us so many years ago. I just pray that you'd be with this time of invitation. Be with those that come. Be with those that might not know you. I pray that they would not leave this building without knowing you as their personal Savior. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. These altars are open or in your seat.